0: This message was recorded at Devoted, a cry-central festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org.
1: In that sense of working together, as New Frontiers has always done, we don't believe that we should be isolated, independent, on our own. In new frontiers, and even in Christ Central now, three apostolic teams working together as one team. Actually, we believe that God's going to cause us to hold hands, join arms, whatever you want to call it, with apostolic men and women across the globe. And it, over the last couple of years, it's been our massive privilege to get to know Jared and Vicky Cooper. And Jared and Vicky, I wonder if you just both stand together. I want to honour this couple together. Jared, Jared and Vicky have pioneered a great work in Hull, and out of that have seen many churches planted, a whole family of churches, some multi-site churches, which I'm sure he'll tell us a little bit about, but also some churches in rural settings, in difficult settings, in inner city settings, and I believe God is raising them up as another apostolic couple, and God's Spirit is really on them to pioneer something. There's something about breakthrough and revival, and God's spirit being poured out, which these guys are carrying. If you haven't read, this book's a few years old now, three or four years old. It really helped me to have a new passion and hunger for revival. It's called When Spirit and Word Collide, and it's about our values. He's pinched our values. We were word and spirit, but he pinched that, and actually it's kind of biblical value, and Jared's got hold of something that I think is in our DNA about word and spirit together. So I want you to welcome Jared as a friend, yes, but as an apostolic voice into us, partnering with us, being friends with us, and we want to introduce our friend to you. Let's welcome Jared Cooper.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Good evening, everybody. How you doing? Oh, you look good. Have you camped yet? Have you had one night in the cold? I don't really believe in camping. I mean, theologically. What do you think? It's a bit Old Testament to me. Let me put that there. Oh, wow. Well, as you've heard, my name's Jared. I am 49 years old. At this point, you're supposed to go, no, I I don't believe it. I have been going to church, there we go, since I was 10 days old. We used to go to five services on a Sunday. We were that family. And um, I've been to thousands of church services. Anybody here? Yeah, some of you look like you've been to... Thousands of church services, and I love it when God turns up. Anybody? I, I My boredom threshold after thousands of church services is very low. So, so you know, I can zone. Nobody zone out on me tonight. Is that okay? I'm going to try and keep you awake, and try and keep myself awake because we've just come back from Australia, so I don't even know what time it is to my body. But we're gonna. Now the thing is, I'm a bit tired, but I get a bit naughty when I'm tired. Is that all right? So, I've been to thousands of church services. I I tend to remember either when it goes really right, or when it goes really wrong. Now, now I grew up in a in an Assemblies of God Pentecostal church, a large Pentecostal church, and um, we used to take communion. In fact, we still do in those little. Anybody take communion in those little thimbles? You you still use those? I mean. The Bible says my cup runneth over. If you spat in it, it'd run over, right? Thank you, Lord. very, Very generous. And it's Ribena. It's not even wine. Do you know? This one particular Sunday, now we lived abroad from when I was seven, so I, I I was under seven and I didn't take communion, I was too young, but this one Sunday morning, every single Sunday the pastor would say these particular scriptures around communion time and then 600 Pentecostals would lift up 600 little thimbles or Russian shot glasses as I think they are now to uh, 600 tongue-talking lips and take communion all at the same time. And this one particular Sunday, the pastor said the same verses and 600 Pentecostals lifted up the little Russian shot glasses full of ribey. To their lips and and drank it. And my mum was the first. She screamed and began to run for the toilets. And the toilets were kind of at the front and down some stairs in this particular church. And she's running down the stairs, screaming, thinking, "Pastor is going to kill me," because this is the 1970s when we're all scared of our pastors. And she's running down the stairs. Then she realizes that 600 Pentecostals are running after her. And they all ran into the toilets. There were five Pentecostals around each toilet, puking up. There were Pentecostals around every sink. There were false teeth gathering in the sinks. There was pink puke up the walls. The guest speaker was lying on the floor, bubbles coming from his mouth. Somebody had put bleach in the communion wine. I thought it was fantastic. (laughs) The front page of the paper the next day said, Church believes in inner cleansing. I, I remember when it goes really wrong. Because to be honest, a lot of church services, they all kind of blend into one. Uh, my friend was a, a, a pastor in America, and he was baptizing people. He was a pastor in Florida. He was baptizing people in a swimming pool in Florida. And uh, it came to a point where he was going to baptize this rather large woman. And she, she kind of got into the swimming pool, and she's heading towards him. And he's, he's looking at her thinking, well, I can get her down. I'm just not sure about getting her up. And, but she came, come on, pastor. She came up to him and he, he takes hold of her and thinks, okay, Jesus, help me. And he says the few words you're supposed to say. Then then she went down. As she went down, his feet went from under him. Now, now she was wearing a muumuu. Do you know what a muumuu is? It's like a tent. So he's thinking, I've got to get up to help her up. So as quick as he can, he plants his feet and stands up inside her muumuu. She was going, pastor, pastor, pastor. I remember when it goes wrong. I've got an African preacher friend, big African guy, you know, really sweats when he preaches, proper Pentecostal. And normally he leaves a white hanky. On, on the pulpit. And he's preaching away this one day. There's about 600 people in the room. And he's preaching and going for it. And he's working up a sweat. You know. Preaching properly. And, and then he realizes. Oh I, I haven't left my, my hanky on the, on the pulpit. So he's trying to search for his hanky. Without making it obvious. And I must have left it in my pocket. And, and he glances down. And he can see something white. Flap, flapping about here. It, just work with me. It, and His fly is undone. And he's wearing a white shirt, and the shirt tail is sticking out of his fly. So, in front of 600 people, he grabs it and pulls. I remember when it goes really wrong. The other thing I want to remember is when it goes really right. I believe church is supposed to be remarkable. I believe in a God who performs signs and wonders and miracles. I believe in a God that wants to bring revival to the United Kingdom. The concept of spirit and word I I got from the Smith Wigglesworth prophecy where he said there will come a day. It was a prophecy of about five stages and the first four have come to pass. And the final stage was this. There will come a day when the people of the spirit and the people of the word will come together. And it will usher in the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. Eclipsing the Welsh and the Wesleyan revival. I believe we're in that day today. When people of the Spirit and people of the Word are coming together like never before. And I believe it is birthing a remarkable church in the earth. And I don't know about you, I want to be part of that. I don't just want to be small and flaky and Spirit-filled. I don't just want to be big, but so dry. It's like eating a bowl of Jacob's cream crackers with no water. Somehow the two can come together where we have well-led, well organized, well put together in a divine sense, but also miracle working, signs and wonders, glory filled churches. Come on, this is where we're going. This is what God is doing in the earth today. Something's going on that's remarkable. I want to read you a verse and it's kind of going to be the benchmark verse for the evening. And it's Genesis 28 verse 16 to 17. You'll recognize it, you can go read it. Later this weekend, in your own Bibles, if you've not got them with you, Genesis 28, 16 and 17. Jacob has had his dream of uh, a stairway reaching between heaven and earth. And it says this, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? Listen, here's the key line. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The house of God is meant to be the gate of heaven. Now, in our church, we don't say amen, we say one of two things yabba dabba do. Can you try that with me? Come on, work with me. I want to get all the religious spirits out of the room. One, two, three. Come on, I can feel it. The other thing we do is we growl. Because I feel like the church needs to get its grunt back. Anybody? Come on. We're not here to be boring. The house of God, that's you and me, people. It's not a building. The house of God is meant to be the gate of heaven, the place where heaven is coming to earth. I've been to thousands of church services, but I have not always seen the manifestation of God and of heaven on the earth. I believe we are living in a day when we need to call out again for all of heaven to burst through the gates and come speeding into our churches with signs, wonders, miracles, transformation, and ultimately kingdom come in the earth today. That's what God wants to do. We're meant to be a place where heaven is invading earth. Uh, one of our church locations is, uh, is in quite a rough area. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's rough enough that sometimes when we worship loudly, the building gets shot at. There's nothing more powerful for your worship than people shooting at the building as you worship. People really dance quite, quite passionately. And one of our lads went on to the local estate and he saw a group of 15, 16-year-olds, something like that. And he walked up and he said, can I tell you about Jesus? And, and they said something ending in off that wasn't Greek or Hebrew. They said, no, just be, go away, we would say, go away. But he saw one of the lads was leaning on a, on a bike with an obviously bad leg. And he said, look, if Jesus heals your leg right now as I pray, can I have two minutes to talk to you about God? And before they could answer, he slaps his hand on the lad's shoulder and said, in Jesus' name, be healed. The lad jumps off his bike, begins to shake his leg, clutch his stomach, and he said, what have you done to me? I can feel something inside me. It's amazing. He said, well, that's, that's okay, but how's your leg? My, my leg's completely better. And then there on the street in Harley began to shake under the power of God. The other lads with him said, what's going on? He said, I don't know, but it feels amazing. So they said to our lad, can we have some? <laughs> so listen, never been to church, 15-year-olds. They lined up in a row like we would do in church. They put their hands out in satellite disposition just like we would do. And they began to shake under the power of God on the street. A little group of seven, eight, nine-year-olds walk up to the end of the row and the one on the end is shaking. And says, what's going on? It's the power of God. They say, can we have some? So they lined up and they got prayed for and they began to shake under the power of God on the street. A policeman walked up. So what's going on? One of our lads It's it's the power of God. Do you want some? No, he said, I got a job to do and he disappeared. Thank God, it was great. That night... Those lads, plus, they brought more friends to the church. twenty of them gave their lives to Christ that night. The house of God is supposed to be the gate of heaven. I remember planting a a, 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 a small church probably twenty years ago twenty five years ago when we were starting it in a sports hall and And uh, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't mind people being overwhelmed by the power of God, trembling under the sense of his presence. And and we'd started this first little meeting, and we'd forgotten all down one wall was floor-to-ceiling windows, and we'd forgotten to close the curtains in this very first service of this new church. And it got to the point in a service where it just so happened, it's not always like this, but people were falling to their knees, people were crying, people were shaking, overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I looked across, and I could see all these 15-year-olds looking through the window they're going. One of our lads went out and said, how are you doing, lads? And they repeated it in Greek and Hebrew. What the? And they said, what's going on in there? And one of our lads said, it's the power of God touching people. Listen to the response of an unchurched 15-year-old. Do you think he'd touch us too? We have a world longing for heaven to flood through the house of God. I believe, we've heard it tonight, I believe there's going to be a blockage removal in the house tonight. Come on. I believe by the time in about three hours' time when I finish preaching, don't worry, I won't. I'm expecting the grace of God to fall in this place tonight. I'm expecting some barriers to be removed You see, in in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and 4, it's the beginning of chapter 4. It talks about uh, a door standing open in heaven. But also just before that, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know that there are two doors. So you've got the gateway of heaven, which stands open. But Jesus is knocking at the gateway of our hearts. Heaven wants to flow Right the way through us and out into the world so that the kingdom would come. But often I believe our doors are a bit closed. Is anybody going to be honest with me about that? I don't know about you. My greatest issue is not immorality. My greatest danger is dullness. That after almost 50 years of church, I just become another nice, boring Christian. I don't know about you. I won't tolerate it. I look, I look myself in the mirror, I say, first of all, hey, good looking. And then secondly, I say, don't you dare be dull. Don't you dare be boring. Because I don't know about you, this Christian life can become religion so quickly. We need God to be moving in our lives. So we're here tonight, and I believe some stuff's going to be, some dams are going to be broken tonight. Is that all right? I want to share with you three things, three dams that need to be broken. I want to share with you three things that we need to remove from the gates so that heaven flows through our lives. And this works for churches, for teams, and for individuals. Is that okay? If you've got a Bible, turn in your Bible to Second um, to Timothy 1 and 6 to 7. And let's see if we can deal with three Things that block the gates of heaven or three dams, as we've heard tonight, that need to be removed. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, this is apostolic Father Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says this, well-known verses. He says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, let's work that one out. Timothy, there is something in you that should be like a great burning bonfire, but it's your choice whether it is a bonfire or an ember. It's totally up to you. Don't blame the pastor. Don't blame the church There's something in you that should be burning with the fire of God. And it's your job to fan it into flame. It is your job to stay on fire. We've got to go find the fire. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, it's our choice whether it's a bonfire or an ember. Verse 7, what is it that turns it from a bonfire into an ember? Paul tells us, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. Here's the first thing. My timidity blocks the gates of heaven. English people in the room, God's not English. He's not even Welsh. I'm a Welshman. Now, I know the Bible is written in Welsh, but sometimes do you think that perhaps We think being nice and being Christian is the same thing. But when I read the book of Acts, I see a riot-causing church. I see a bold, yabba-dabba-doo, grunting, let's go transform nations kind of church. And sometimes I think we're just becoming too timid and too nice. And you know what it does? It blocks the gates of heaven from pouring the Holy Spirit through our lives into the lives of others. Fear takes the things of God and locks them in a box inside of us. The only way to see God move through us and out of our lives is that we somehow, not that we become brash or arrogant, but that we become bold and confident. It might be quiet confidence, but we need to be confident because the Spirit of God, you could call it faith, the Spirit of God moves where people walk in a confidence with Him. You see... God requires unusual, bold action to see miracles come about. Think of Moses at the Red Sea. Moses is stood at the Red Sea, and God often says unusual little things that we need to do to release the movement of God in the heavens into the earth. So Moses is stood at the Red Sea, and God says, raise your stick over the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Moses with all the grumbling Israelites and all the armies of Egypt and the Red Sea, I would have said to God, God, stop messing around. Just part the Red Sea you know, intercession guys, would you pray a little louder? Somebody blow a shafar. S-s-s- somebody somebody, get some flags quick. Somebody bind the strong man. Somebody loose the weak one. I don't know. Just sa- We tend to do charismatic stuff instead of doing the one thing that Jesus says to do. When he whispers in our ear, lift that stick over the sea. Or like he did to Joshua, shout for the Lord has given you the city. God gives us little things and we need to have the boldness to obey the spirit. Because let me tell you how miracles work. Miracles are really simple. All you do is you hear what God says and you do it. And things in heaven become flesh on earth. That's all it is. Raise your stick over the sea. It's a crazy command. We could get all the broom handles we've got. Head to the beach today and keep waving them. Ain't nothing going to happen. But when God says it, we can be really noisy charismatics. But it was the one shout in that one moment that brought down Jericho. Can you imagine if the children of Israel had been English? We would have loved at Jericho the first six days of silence. Shh, we're binding the strong man. We'd have broken out our cups of tea and our cucumber sandwiches and we would have been marching round the walls. But on day seven, Pastor Joshua gets up and says, come on, shout for the Lord has given you the city. We would have been, we're not doing that, we're English. What if your personality and God's instructions don't always match up? What if your culture and heaven's culture don't line up? Let me tell you, you will block the gates of heaven. Boldness releases heaven friend of mine was an apostolic figure in South Africa he planted four or 500 churches and his wife died and he was he was the kind of he was a proper apostle not not not, not like me he wore a suit and a tie and he always carried a massive donkey choker of a bible everywhere and he was walking through his city two weeks after his wife had died. He's a well-known figure. And he, he was he was walking through the city with his Bible. And he's walking past a nightclub. It's the evening. And as he's walking past the nightclub, God says to him, go into the nightclub. He said, no. God repeats himself, go into the nightclub. Why? Go into the nightclub. Eventually, he has a little fight with God, then stands at the doorway of the nightclub and looks across the dance floor. And everybody's dancing. <laughs> You can imagine it right. In the middle of the dance floor, there's a woman dancing, and she looks every bit of what she is. She's a prostitute, and she's dancing. And God says to him, go dance with that woman. She's like, no. And he's like, she has a good argument with God. And then eventually he moves over to the dance floor with his donkey choker and his suit and tie on. And he moves over, probably dancing like a granddad would dance, you know what I mean? Proper wedding granddad dance. And he goes over to the middle of the dance floor and then he's he's dancing next to this woman and God says, Invite her for a drink. Ask her if she wants a drink. She's, would you like a drink? Pardon? Would you like a drink? Okay. They go over to the bar. He got her whatever she asked for. He told me that he asked for a glass of milk. I don't know if he ever got it, but he has a little introduction and makes it very clear that he's not after her services. And 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 then he, he says, look, could we meet? I feel God has led me here to you. Can we meet tomorrow somewhere public like a coffee shop? And I'd, I'd just love to talk with you and and and." Just hear your story and see if God can help you. And there in a coffee shop the next day, out comes her story of, of, of abuse and drug addiction and rape and prostitution. And there in that little coffee shop, he leads her to the Lord. And a work begins that sees hundreds of prostitutes saved. All because an aging apostle was willing to hear the voice of God and be bold. See, the kingdom of heaven comes when we're bold. I remember being in this one very respectable church and and I, I had 45 minutes to preach, so I preached. And then I, I went and stood on the front row. They were singing the closing hymn. That's how respectable the church was. And they're singing, singing a good closing hymn. And there's a little tap on my shoulder. I turn around. There's a lady with tears streaming down her face. She said, will you pray for me? I said, of course I'll pray for you. So I prayed for her quickly. And suddenly the front is full of people wanting prayer. And the elders come out. They're praying for everybody. God's doing wonderful things. And, and then we're in that pregnant pause of the presence of God. And I'm just thinking, well, God, that was good. Thank you. Bless you. And, and then it happened. God said to me, run. I said, no. He said, run. I said, why? He said, run. I said, where? But God doesn't have to answer our questions. He just tells us what to do so the gates can open and heaven can come. And he's going, run, run. He's not manipulating me, but I can sense like the waves on the seashore. Run, run. Run, run. And has your body ever started to do something your mind disagreed with? There's about five aisles in this place. I head off running down this far aisle. I thought, I might as well go for it. I opened up my arms and I said, drink from the river. And I'm running up the far aisle thinking I'll just run straight out the back door. I'd never have to come back. I ran all the way round, back up onto the platform. I grabbed a glass of water, a glass of water in the hands of anyone even slightly prophetic is dangerous. I looked for the most miserable part of the congregation, which happened to be here. Sorry. I threw the water, realized what I'd done and carried on running. I ran all the way round, back up onto the platform and I fell under the spirit of embarrassment on the platform. I thought if I twitch, they'll think it's God. I lay there twitching, thinking everybody just leave the room, everybody go away. 45 minutes later, they'd all gone. I got up and said goodbye to the pastor in a, you'll never see me again kind of way and disappeared. But I was staying with friends that week and and Sunday morning, I managed to get out of church. Uh, But they, they, no, come come to church tonight. So I I went to church that evening and halfway through the worship, they said, we're going to hear some testimonies of what God did last week. And I was like, what did God do last week? I want to know. And people got up and When people had come to the front and the elders had been praying for people, backsliders had come back to Christ. People with addictions had been broken. People had been healed, saved. Wonderful things. And then this one 17-year-old girl got up, uh, the one that had run. And she said, as you know, I've had ME for seven years. And I will often come to church in the morning, but I can't make the evening. I've been too ill. But last Sunday afternoon, God said to me, go to church tonight. I'm going to make you run and I'm going to heal you. And she said to God, But God, we don't run in our church. I, mean, I don't know what church you do run in. Chris Akabusi's church, I suppose. And her words, she said, I looked up, and as Jared ran, the power of God came on me. And I ran up the middle aisle, and God did a healing work in my life. Thank you, both of you. It's Jesus. See, our timidity locks God in a box inside of us. Do you know, charismatics have quite a strong backsliding rate. And the reason is we are promised so much, but action so little. And we must overcome that. We must learn to perform miracles and signs and wonders. And it begins with beginning to put aside our timidity from the gates of heaven and say, okay, God, I I know I'm not going to change my personality overnight or anything like that, but God, begin to move through me. I might fail you 80 times and get it right 20, but God, begin to move through me. I give you a bold, confident version of me. Don't you want to be a confident version of you? That's where heaven will reside. The devil doesn't mind you going to church. He just wants you to stay timid because then heaven will never come to church. Wow. We've got to learn to cooperate with God. Give our timidity to one side and say, come on, God, move through me. Amen? So we're going to pray about timidity tonight. Is that okay? Here's the second one. And uh, I've got to give God my timidity. The second thing that we're going to give God tonight is our humanity. Do you know your humanity can block the gates of heaven? If we humanize this supernatural adventure that is the kingdom of God and God moving among us, we will block the gates of heaven. If we just break this down to methods and talent and gifting, if we say this worship is just about talented people doing talented things, if we think preaching is the equivalent of a university lecture, if we think that our communities are built solely on good sociological theory, we're in trouble. Listen to this scripture. Listen to what Jesus said. This will get you. Are you ready? Matthew 16, 23. You've heard it before. Jesus said to Peter, listen, get behind me, Satan. There he is making friends again, right? right? Listen carefully. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You have in mind the things of man, not God. We think for something to be demonized, it has to have horns and a tail and smell of sulfur. The truth is, Jesus said, if you want to demonize the church, just humanize everything. Get behind me, Satan, you have in mind the things of man. Somebody say, wow. Say it backwards, think about it. If the grace of God is not powerful enough to make miracle workers of you and I, let's just go home now. If this thing isn't real, if God is dead and he doesn't perform miracles anymore, let's go play golf on Sundays. Life's too short to spend it singing all these songs. We want God to move in our lives. Anybody? I don't want to humanize this thing. I don't want to humanize leaders and humanize each other and humanize worship. No, this is a supernatural adventure. Now, you might go to me, yeah, but we don't want to be weird. Listen, you believe in a virgin birth. You're already weird. What are you on about? You're you're here on a Friday night. You're already weird. You're on a supernatural adventure. The day we accept it, we remove mere humanity from the gates of heaven and say, okay, God, you're not English. You're not even Welsh, not even African. You are God, and we want heaven to come to earth. So God, have me. Transform me. I'm up for a supernatural adventure. That's what I want. Now here's what we do. Jesus spoke quite a bit about this. Listen to these verses. You can read them. It's Mark seven. Again, they're well known ones. You can go read them this weekend. Mark seven six to seven. Jesus said he's making friends again. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. The word hypocrites literally means actors. Always, oh, isn't it so easy that this becomes an act? You know how how, how are you? I'm fine. My, my Bible school lecturer always used to say, Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them in their songs. We're more than a conqueror, get the flu every winter. Because let's be honest, it's so easy. Forget 50 years, it's so easy after three years for things to become an act. These people honor me with their lips, Jesus said, but their hearts are far from me. Listen to this incredible verse. They worship me in vain. You can be saying the right name, but it's still all in vain. A waste of time. That's an incredible thought. Their teachings are merely human rules. We can't humanize this. We can't make it nice and English. This is either the kingdom of heaven coming or I want to go do something else. I'm not interested in breaking out the cucumber sandwiches and the cups of tea and wondering whether I should shout at Jericho. If you've got Jerichos that need to fall, well, get over yourself and learn to shout. Don't humanize it. Well, surely there's 10 other things I could do that are more compatible with my personality. No! Do what God says! Right? (laughs) Well, I'm getting excited and I'm jet-lagged. got to do what... You see... It isn't always going to be nice. Listen, a few verses later on in Mark 7, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Mark seven thirty-two to 35. There, some people brought Jesus, a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. Here, we're about to see the weird stuff of the kingdom coming. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Verse thirty three. After Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Should we do this tonight? I'm just preparing for the healing line. Is it more powerful with green in it? I don't know. Ha! You waking up yet? Ha! How did Jesus' minister, John five nineteen tells us he saw what the Father was doing and he did that. All we need to do is see what he's doing and copy it. That's all you've got to do. So here's Jesus. They bring him a deaf and a mute man. What do I do? They're telling me to wave my hand over it. And the Father's like, no, 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 no. I want you to walk him out of the village. Oh, okay. But the worship team are here. Uh, they're about to take an offer. You know, we've got tidy church. It's not on the run sheet. I think run sheets are of the devil sometimes. Come on, come on. I say it with a twinkle in my eye. We use run sheets, but you've got to do your best to ignore them, right? You've got to have one eye on the run sheet and another eye on heaven. You look great when you do that, right? Walk him out of town, the Father shows him. So he walks him out of town. Now, Now, Father, what shall I do? Do you know what I mean? You can imagine a little bit of... Bit of music in the background. What shall I do? Stick your fingers in his ears? I, I, I would have been like, they're not. He'd not had a bath that morning. I mean, we're going back in time. The ears would have been pretty filthy. So he sticks his fingers in his ears. Now what, Father? And is it spit on his tongue. Are you sure? Can't we sing a loud chorus for a moment? Spit on his tongue. But he did it. Look what it says. This is the Bible now. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, It looks like this to me, <laughs> which means be opened. That's what it like. I'm no theologian, that's what it looks like to me. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, <laughs> which means be opened. Now listen, verse 35 says, At this. At this. At, everybody say at this. At what? Stick your fingers in his ears and spit on his tongue. This isn't human stuff. This is divine stuff. Now, please don't go and do this. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. This is something divine going on. This isn't putting up nice little polite rows of people and us looking like men of God and women of God. Do you know what I mean? And all we do when it's not working is pray louder or we shampoo their heads harder. Instead of just listening to the one thing he's telling us to do. If we listened and we actually caught, heaven, if we stop humanizing him with our religious patterns and methods. I mean, I'm shocked that there isn't the first church of the spitting saints. Because we turn everything into a pattern don't we do you remember the time when nobody could pray without a stick in their hand do you know what i mean do you remember those days some of you will some couldn't worship without a flag in their hand why because human nature makes humanizing patterns out of something that god once said to do so i'm shocked that there's not a first church of the spitting saints you know where we all wear souwesters to the healing meeting and things like that and the elders all gather up the front <laughs> It's going to be a powerful one tonight, Betty. (laughs) Now, just because every pastor in the room is twitchy, I am not saying to go do this. You know the run story? I only did that once. You don't make a pattern of it. But God is going to say unusual things. I, I went back to a church once a year later after talking about this verse and a little old lady came up to me. She said... I did what you said. I said, What did you do? She said, I spat on someone. I said, No. No, 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 no. You weren't meant to do it. It was an example of the unusual things God might say. No, she said it's okay, it works. I said, What? So, I said, what, what, what do you mean it what do you mean it works? She said, Well, I went to this church. It wasn't my church. I thought that helps. She said, and I sat down and this, this, this woman sat next to me and God said, the woman sat next to you is deaf. I want you to spit in her ear and I'm going to heal her. So she turned and she said, excuse me, are you deaf? And the woman said, pardon? <laughs> no, no, she, she didn't. I always had that one. It's not, she didn't. She said, yes, I'm deaf in one ear. And so she said, well, God's told me to spit in your ear and he's going to heal you. And the woman said, okay. <laughs> I would have been not without a blood test. Weird lady but she put some spit on her fingers, put it on her ear, and her ear was opened. Come on! we got to get back to the adventure. The wild adventure. we got to be a little bit dangerous. I've worked out, if you have a true heart to serve and love people and not be an attention seeker, you can't really get it wrong. If we really love people, Smith Wigglesworth was once, well, he picked up a dead body, and he held it against the wall, and he punched it, and it fell down, still dead. So, he picked it up again, punched it again, fell down, still dead. So, you're probably thinking third time's a good amount, right? It's a good biblical number. Lift it up, punched it, still dead. He kept going. Fourth time, fifth time. I mean, is a biblical number. I'd right? be there all day, to to, to try and get there sixth time miracles and the voice of God how often would we stop on the sixth time seventh time he picks the man up, punches him and he comes back to life so there is a place where we need to stop humanizing God with all our little methods let's be honest, a lot of things that we do in church are culture they're not the Holy Spirit I mean with worship I don't know about you um, I sometimes think that God gets up on a Sunday morning, excuse my theology, and he gets on a cloud with Gabriel and, and Michael, and he's, he's sailing across the earth, and saying, w- w- uh, we, "We really want to go to church this morning. What, what are they all doing now?" And Gabriel says, We're all, "Well, they're on the fast songs bit, Lord." Okay, so they got that planned. Yes, some of the churches planned that three months before this service, Lord. They just they planned it. The multi tracks are all clicked in. There's no way we can change that. It's there. And then twenty minutes later, they're still going over the earth, still haven't made it to church. What they're doing now, they're on the slow songs bit, Lord. Oh, okay. Can, can we go now? No, they've planned it all out. There's this sister Betty's gonna sing. And you know what they're doing now Well, they're doing their nice little sermons. And I just wonder sometimes if God ever gets to come to church. If you can do church without God, just imagine your services. If they can happen without God, we're in trouble, aren't we? Come on. God, we want to stop humanizing you. See, the greatest danger, as we age, when we're, when we're born, we live out of imagination and we run towards it. We can be anything. My son is, is a 10-year-old. He, he wants to be an Olympian and a chef and a pastor all at the same time. And We're young, we imagine, and we run towards. But as we age, something happens. We slowly stop living out of imagination and we begin to live out of memory. So we go to our memory banks again and again. And the great danger is that instead of living 20 years, we live one year 20 times over and over again. And we live this cultural Christian thing that feels slightly like the right thing, but is devoid of power. Tonight, should we cry out to God, God, we don't want to humanize you. Forgive us for our dullness. And I'm going to be the first in the queue to keep, I say this to God almost every day. I don't know about you, I backslide about three times a week. I've got to come back to God and say, God, deal with my dullness. Keep me fresh. Keep me on fire in the things of God. Deal with my religious spirit. Hey, Because we lock God in all of our tidy little boxes. God, deal with our tum- timidity. God, deal with our humanity. And here's the third one and the last one. I wonder if I've got a keyboard player up somewhere, haven't I? Oh, he's there. I oh, am, yeah, mate. Oh, come come and play something so we feel more spiritual. Is that all right? Just, thanks, Nathan. Just, should we just wait for it? Because, I mean, even Elisha was grumpy once and he called for Kenny G, didn't he? And then suddenly felt it. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Can it turn it down in this fold back a little bit? It's nice, but it's louder than me. That's not fair. Just in this one, wherever the guys are. Music activates the prophetic anointing. Everyone in this room, the prophetic side of you gets activated when spirit-filled music begins to play. God's in this room, amen? God, we want you to wash away our timidity. I believe you're supposed to walk from this room the confident version of you. Not arrogant. But knowing I'm loved, you have loved me with an everlasting love. That's our God. I believe God wants to wash through our humanizing of what is supposed to be a supernatural adventure. We're not out to be weird, but God, we want to be free enough to obey you. That's all we want. We just want to be free enough to obey you. When you say shout, we can shout. When you say run, we can run. And God help us, if you ever say spit, About a quarter of us might do it. But God, to the best of our ability, we want to run in the things of God. Anyone else? And I want to talk just about one more thing, and then we're going to pray together. Is that okay? Here's the third thing that blocks the gates of heaven. In our brokenness, So many of us have to deal with what some would call imposter syndrome. In other words, everyone in the room is more spiritual than me. Everyone's more qualified than me. I'm just a little bit too broken to be used of God. Anybody ever get that feeling? I get it all the time. And I've been doing this job for 30 years. And I know now it's the voice of my own brokenness. But here's a secret. I've discovered that grace can flood your brokenness and make something wonderful of you. That's going to happen tonight. Grace is being downloaded in this room right now. There's an impartation taking place right now. To show this, I want to read you one of my favorite scriptures Numbers 22, and it's the story of Balaam. You can just listen. It's the story of Balaam and his donkey. And in this story, Balaam is a naughty prophet. And He can't see that an angel has been sent from God to strike him down, but the donkey can see it. Let me read you the story. It says, then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there's no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat the donkey with his staff. Listen to this. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you? to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, you've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. Can does anybody else picture Eddie Murphy and Shrek with this? There's the prophet beating the donkey and then the donkey turns around. What have I done to make you beat me these three times? I don't know about you, at that point, I would have been running. What? The donkey's talking. But Balaam has an argument with the donkey. you made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. As if he talked to his donkey all the time. The donkey answers Balaam. Am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? Balaam loses the argument with the donkey. No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. Here's what I get from that scripture. The donkey had never been to Bible school. He hadn't had a quiet time that morning. He hadn't spoken in tongues for an hour. He didn't know the chronological differences between Ezra and Nehemiah. He was an ass. He was a donkey. But God could open the eyes of a donkey to see into the spiritual realm more accurately than a prophet. And he opened the mouth of a donkey to win an argument with a prophet. If God can open the eyes of an ass to see into the spiritual realm and open the mouth of a donkey to win an argument with a prophet, it tells me this any old ass will do. God can use anyone, God can use anyone. That's who He is. He's only ever picked up broken people like you and me. I don't know about you, I look in the mirror some days and I go, Cooper, you are so dysfunctional. Anybody on my planet No. some of you are thinking, no, I'm not dysfunctional. Let me live with you for three days. I'll tell you what your dysfunction is. I have not met anyone without an area of brokenness where we limp a little bit. But what men and women of God do is decide that grace is greater than their limp. There has to be a moment when you move that out of the gate of heaven and say, I will no longer let my smallness, my history, my brokenness, or my shame fill the gate of heaven and stop him moving through me. If God can use an ass, he can use me. I sense a qualification coming from heaven into this room tonight. An approval from heaven coming into this room to say, okay, now is time to rise up, to stand up and to say, God, you can use me, even me. God, I'm going to leave my past behind. I'm going to remove it from the gate. I'm going to swing open the doors and let you come in. I remember one day in a prayer time, I was feeling shame and and I I was going through, the only way I could describe it was every room in the mansion of my life. And some of the rooms were easy. They talked about my history, talked about my gifting, talked about my family. And I would open them and find the blessing of God in every room and the the great bright white light of God in every room. And then I, I got to some more difficult rooms that had words that spoke about sins in my life. And I'm like, God, I don't really want to go in those rooms. I'm kind of, I'm ashamed of that. And God said, open it. I push open the doors. And inside these rooms that I thought were filled with shame, were filled with the mercy and the bright white light of heaven. Rooms that I thought were going to be dusty and cluttered, were empty and shining with the brilliance of heaven. You know, the devil just wants you to concentrate on the dustiness of your past. When he's saying, no, 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 you are qualified. It is time to rise up and bring the kingdom of God to education and to medicine and to government and to media and to the arts. It's time to stand up. The great move of revival that is coming to this nation won't be of famous men and women of God. It will be a movement of the body of Christ. It has been prophesied that people like you and people like me will go into hospitals and empty wards again. That deaf schools will be empty because of all the deaf ears opening. There are moves of signs and wonders coming to our nation, but. It won't be through a special few. It will be through people like you and people like me saying, look what grace did. Look what grace did. I remember once in Bible school, again, being in a place of shame. Has anybody here ever felt shame? Right? It's an awful place. You don't feel like being close to God. You don't feel like you deserve to be close to God. But I was a Bible school student. I had to go to the morning worship service so I thought, well, I'll know what I'll do. I'll, I'll turn up and I'll just lay on my face. And it look like I'm prostrate before the Lord, but I can actually sleep. As long as I don't snore, no one will disturb me. And as I lay there and people were praising and worshiping around me, and I'm laying there in my shame, suddenly I was lifted up in a vision and I found myself on a mountain. And there before me was God. And he went down into the valley and his head went up into the clouds and he was built like a warrior. And God raised his arms and he began to shout over me, You are my son. You are my son. And as he began to shout, everything weak and shame-filled in me began to crumble. Here I was ashamed of myself, but God wasn't ashamed of me. He was going to shout about the fact that I was his child from the rooftops of the, of the whole world. He was going to shout. But also, as he shouted, something else happened. Everything small in me began to crumble as I realized, here was this warrior saying, my DNA is in you. My genes are in you. Stop being a wimp, Cooper. Stand up. Receive grace. Clear it from the gateway and let grace flood your life. Can we stand together in this room for a moment tonight? Wow. Close your eyes and put your hands out in satellite dish position just for a moment. He's here. God, give God your timidity, your fears. Give them to him tonight. Say, God, I don't want to fear anymore. You need to isolate insecurity before it isolates you. Fear locks you in a box as well as God. The, the real you never comes out. God, we give you our timidity tonight. Right now across this room, God, I ask for a wave of grace to begin to flow through this room right now. There he is. There he is. That's the presence of God. <laughs> right to the back. The grace of God is being poured out. God, we give you our timidity. Now give him your humanity We don't want to humanize this supernatural adventure. As you pray in this moment, I want you to accept the supernatural adventure God wants us to live in. God made you for the supernatural. God made you for adventures in the miraculous. Finally, I want you to give him your shame your imposter syndrome brokenness. I want you to laugh at it and smile at it because mercy is so much greater than it. I am who I am. What's happened has happened, but I'm ready to be a trophy of grace. That's what I want you to pray. I'm ready to be a trophy of grace. Something's building up in this room right now. Come on. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm ready to be A trophy of grace. I'm ready to be a trophy of grace. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Increase, increase. We're clearing the gates, we're clearing the gates. We're clearing the gates. We're removing the dams. We're clearing the gates. Whoosh. We're removing the gates. Whoosh. Let your spirit flow. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. That's it. Give him your timidity. Jesus. Give him your fears. Now, if you're saying, God, I want to step into a new bold place this weekend. I want a grace to be poured out into me. That I will live at a different level from this weekend onwards. I want you to quietly make your way out to the front here. If you're saying, God... It's time for a new... If that part of the message has touched your life, God, I want to enter a new day of boldness. I want to put my timidity to one side. Secondly, if you've been living locked up in your mind, trying to keep this whole Christian thing tidy in English, (laughs) if you want to give up humanity in the sense of humanizing everything, Take a trip out the front. Come stand. Come right to the front because there's people coming up behind you. If you need to give God shame, take a trip out the front or you might get as far as the aisle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you walk, the presence of God will get stronger as you walk. Yeah, if you feel unsteady, just kneel where you are. Don't fall backwards. If you feel unsteady, just kneel where you are. Because the presence of God is going to increase in strength right now. There's an impartation going on. Ooh, 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 yeah. Right across this room, raise your hands to heaven. Hey, yeah, yeah. Come on, let your worship rise. Let your worship rise as the Spirit of God fills you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then in a moment, just of silence, close your eyes where you are for a moment. Okay, there he is. God, I ask you to baptize, baptize, immerse every life in your power. Right now, there he is. It's increasing. Many of you are feeling an increasing sense of the presence of God. Some feel lots, some feel a little, it doesn't matter, just receive, drink, there he is, there he is. The end of the book of John, it says Jesus blew on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to blow right now, it's just a prayer, it's just a picture of what God is doing. And as I blow, receive the Holy Spirit right across this room. <laughs> That's it, right to the back. If you feel unsteady, kneel, don't fall back, kneel. That's it, he's increasing, he's increasing, he's increasing. That's it. He's lifting depression. He's lifting depression off some right now. Jesus. 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 He's lifting back pain out of lives right now. If you're in back pain, put your hands out in front of you. Just drink of the Holy Spirit right now. I command that back pain. I speak to the root cause. I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Migraines leaving in the name of Jesus right now. At night tremors, I command night tremors to end in the name of Jesus right now. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the Living God, just a little bit a little bit Jesus, Jesus, jesus 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 jesus, Jesus it's a new day it's a new day of boldness. It's a new day, it's a new day of boldness, it's time for us to run, 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 it's time for us to run, run, run in the things of God. It's a new day of boldness, it's a new day of boldness. Just like Elijah, there's a running coming. Just like Elijah, there's a running coming. There's a running coming. There's a running coming. Drink, drink, drink. No more timidity. No more humanizing God. No more shame. Just a running just to running. He's loosening your legs. Your spiritual muscles are beginning to stretch and move and exercise. No more living in shame. It's time to stretch your spiritual muscles.